0: Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. I am Ms. Melmoy and I am Mr. Cragers. Yeah, everyone said there's stuff on time this time. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is on our. A we think it's our seventeenth episode. <laughs> I think so. It might prove not to be when we upload it. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> We are in this uh, installment talking about doing a little review review of uh, M. Night Shyamalan's newest feature, Split, which has won the box office for the second week in a row. Um, at least in Canada. That's what they told me on the 24-hour news. I don't know what's going on in the United States. This is true. I think
1: so here as well. Because yeah. um, this past weekend was the second... It's, only, it's second weekend, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. released in both countries. I just didn't know. Like, it occurred to me as I was saying, and it was like, oh, wait, I heard yeah. that from Canadian okay. news, which could mean anything. Um, yeah, I have it here. It,
1: it's still, it was number yeah. one.
0: so it's doing pretty respectable, which is impressive considering, I think, M. Night Shyamalan was at a super low point after The Last Airbender.
1: <laughs> yeah, he really was. And I will say, though, not a ton of people saw it. The visit was Mm -hmm. decent. Yeah, and when I saw it, one of like I remember thinking, and like my main kind of takeaway from it was, oh, I think he's he's on the upswing again. Yeah, like he's coming back, and then Split has proved that. I would say,
0: Mm -hmm. yeah, and I I think a lot
1: of the reviews have said that too.
0: Yeah, and he's definitely backed off of. I think of even his own brand. Like if you look at the marketing of it. And a lot of it, it's just, I mean, there's still obviously the Marx, And if you want to go with like the European Artur theory, like, you know, it's still set in Philadelphia. Like, you know, he still casts many of the same people, um, but he's really backed off of like the Shyamalan brand. Like, I think he's come to realize that he's not sort of superhuman. He's not quite the uh, sort of Stephen King of, of horror films that I think people wanted to label him as after the sixth sense was such like a a huge success. Um, Well, I'm sorry. Oh no, I had nothing else to say.
1: (laughs) Well, I think he was so young when he did the sixth sense, he was like 27 or 28. Yeah. And I think now like looking at hit, looking at the visit, looking at split, I feel like he's, more comfortable in who he is as a filmmaker and I think he just has a stronger sense of what, what he wants to do like he's more focused and not sort of like scattered and all over the place and like I have to be this sort of specific Shyamalan the brand Shyamalan, yeah.
0: yeah you know like writer, I'm director, just... producer, I'm Night Shyamalan <laughs> yeah now he's just
1: making movies the way like he knows he wants to make them, and, it, and it's and it's whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, cause this like I feel like this felt like one of his movies in a lot of ways, and in a lot of ways it totally didn't.
0: Yeah, and I mean James, like obviously James McAvoy wasn't really a thing in a lot of his like, you know, he's re- kind of recently become like a big name actor, but even that I was like, okay, casting, uh, you know, James McAvoy instead of. Like, even that felt like... I was like, oh, James McAvoy's in an M. Night Shyamalan film? Like, wow, that's, like, really interesting.
1: <laughs> it was very interesting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and, and yeah, because you have that, which was kind of, like, a unexpected casting choice. Mm-hmm. But then Taylor Joy was the other lead, and she's gotten a lot of attention for The Witch, and that so... Her being in an M. Night Shyamalan film is kind of an expected casting choice. Yeah. Because it's really big in the horror world right now, so that that makes sense. So it's like these two, like even in this movie, there's like these two different versions, I feel like, of Shyamalan existing. (laughs) Exactly.
0: It's like uh, in history when you can like trace the the blending of Christianity and paganism. Like it's this for M Night Shyamalan. He's at the cusp of two different yeah, eras in in like yeah, medieval yeah. Europe <laughs> um, for himself.
1: And, and and where do we go from here? Where do we go from um,
0: here? Go from here, Yeah, yeah
1: we both just did that.
0: Yeah, um, do you, do you know that reference.
1: You are now our favorite listener. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tweet us, let us know what it is. Um, yeah. yeah, no, and he's just been so I feel like just generally media quiet about so many things as well. Like yeah. it's just like a complete it's not a complete rebranding cuz it's still on Night Channel but it's definitely like like a retoning or a retheming of uh his brand.
1: Yes, okay. I completely agree with this because I feel like Everyone likes to throw this label at him as like a horror genre auteur. What a twist. What a twist. But I feel like like a better description would be that he's more like a genre doctor. Hmm. Like, he dives into these ideas and these flavors and then he sort of, he'll breathe in his personal touch into the framework and then he like,
0: I I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he does so many different, like, yes, obviously he does horror, but within that he does so many different things. Like he does psychological horror. He did, I don't even know what to call the village. (laughs) Um, Unbreakable, which is obviously (laughs) relevant with this movie is like a completely different type of film all on its own. Yeah. Yeah. And even, yeah, because like the sixth sense is not
1: just a ghost story. Yeah. Signs is not just an alien story. Yeah. Um, they're all like, I feel like he's exploring so many of the th- same themes in that, like all of his movies, like trauma and grief and like ideas of like lost time and mm-hmm. and. and yeah. And all like of them was... do
0: have a psychological element with that ouch, that hurt. Psychological element without being like psychological thriller, psychological horror because obviously that's a label that gets attached to Sixth Sense a lot because it's kind of like yeah. you know, the you know, that's the twist at the end. But then if you look at stuff like The Village where it's all about sort of like brainwashing and control and that sort of thing and um, with this it's you know, it's somebody who has a split personality disorder. Um and, you know, like, that is a definite thing. Like, I feel like mental trauma, mental coping, various forms of just general, like, psychology are a really um, visceral running theme through all of his stuff, no matter what the the sort of sub is that he's working in.
1: I, I, I completely agree. Um, and, I mean, uh, Miss Mel and I were kind of talking... Um, Or we had mentioned this, I think in in previous episodes, but he is maybe not the best sort of like um, Hollywood mega conglomerate. Like he's no like Harvey Weinstein, Mm -hmm. but his, strengths, and I feel like you can't deny this, really lie in directing. Like, he's an exemplary yeah. director.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, His writing, eh, producing, eh, but b- bitch can direct a movie.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And I think, and you see that here with Split. Like, he did this really cool sort of, like, melding of, like, locked room thriller with, like, emotional boundary story and yeah I don't know is he's good at like tapping into visceral stuff
0: yeah and like sort of just discomforting or uncomfortable stuff like you know there's elements of I wouldn't it's such a cop-out to to throw this term around but there's even sort of elements of like Stockholm syndrome as well in this and sort of Mm -hmm. um Like, you know, you said emotional boundaries and things like that. Like it's very, it's like common motifs in a lot of things, but it's handled in such a way that it does feel like disquieting in and of itself. Like the fact, the way you're looking at it and the way he portrays it, like it's this fairly mundane thing, like the mundane, the relationship between a captor and (laughs) a captive, but it's presented in such an unsettling way. Um,
1: Mm-hmm. the way
0: he does it in this film and he does that in a lot of things i think um you see it in the sixth sense with like therapist and um child patient and um like it's all over yeah. the village so yeah he's weirdly good at uh working with
1: a therapist yeah <laughs> because <laughs> um, you know that happened in in split too because yeah. Well, should should we give a little bit of a a, a yeah. synopsis, I guess, yeah. want to go shnup, for that
0: Michelle? Yeah. Um Yeah, we can bounce off, I guess. Basically these three bitches. <laughs> um three <laughs> house who with very white names. Um Marsha.
1: Oh yeah. Claire, Marsha and no uh name
0: Marsha anymore. I, that was
1: exactly Reaction I had when her name was finally said, like forty five minutes into the movie. It's
0: like okay. And um, 1950s? Who, was, who
1: was Anya Taylor Joy's character? What was her name?
0: Uh Cassie,
1: Casey, Casey, Ca- Casey, Casey. Yeah, Casey, Claire, and Marsha. Which, oh my god,
0: <laughs> they were asking to be kidnapped. I don't mean that. I'm not victim. That was. But they get kidnapped by one of James McAvoy's many personalities. I forget which one. Dennis. Dennis. Um, But his real name is Kevin. We're all very white in this film. Um, Basically, has multiple personality disorders as a result of childhood trauma, Um, and he's got a therapist, Karen. Um. (laughs) Karen. (laughs) Karen, Karen Fletcher, who um, throughout the movie kind of talks him through um, some of this stuff and meets with the different... There's like so many personalities. It's like... it's. I mean, there's like 23 of them all, in all, I believe. Yeah. There's um, 23. Barry, and Dennis, Patricia, Hedwig. Hedwig, um,
1: Samuel, Samuel, Jade. Jade.
0: Barry. Um, did I say Barry already?
1: Yeah. Well, because as we learn... Um, after the kidnapping, um, he goes to a therapy session with his therapist, who's played by Betty Buckley. And, um, we learn through their exchanges that he is, Barry is supposed to be like the identity in charge in a way, mm-hmm. or like how they refer to him in the film. Like he is the one in the light. Yeah. That, like, that all these the identities term. live within Kevin in, like, a room with chairs. And Barry is kind of in charge and he will call them up to the light, like, meaning that identity gets to sort of come out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so Barry is supposed to be calling the shots, but um, as the film unravels, it becomes apparent that he's been sort of pushed out of the way by two of the other less stable identities Miss Patricia and Dennis Patty and Patty as it were (laughs) and they have they kind of have control over Kevin but then like the other identities will break through and like they've been sending like these cry for help emails to the therapist so she'll get them in the middle of the night and they're like asking for emergency sessions and then she meets with him and it's like, oh, no, everything's fine. So she starts to get suspicious that everything is not fine. And Jeez. that ends up being somewhat and, unfortunate for her. But Yes.
0: And um, so the girls attempt to try and, like, play these personalities against each other a little bit because different ones will come in to greet them. And the one tries to get um, Hedwig, which is, like, this child-like personality. Um like on her side and like we learn that there's a 24th um personality that's like known as the beast um that is like kind of lurking and we haven't met yet Mm -hmm. um is in this movie just like to point that out (laughs) um but basically you know they're trying to escape their captivity while interacting with these various personalities and karen fletcher um Dr. Fletcher attempts Dr. Fletcher. to um get through to to Kevin um and we learn at one point the only way to call actual Kevin into the light like the real person is you have to like call him by his name um to get yeah, like, his
1: full name his full
0: name to get the real Kevin um to to come forward um but, uh, unfortunately, Karen gets, uh, nixed by the beast shortly after we learn that. Um, Marsha ends up dead.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: We learn her name and then she's gone. Um. Yeah. As just Claire. As is Claire. Claire and Marsha. Cassie is... Casey? Cassie? I always want to say Cassie when I... I don't... I don't know. It's, it could be Maybe the it same Casey. thing. It was Casey. Um... <laughs> Basically, the beast comes out and it's this, it's exactly what you'd expect. Um, It is a beast. It is kind of this animalistic version of Kevin. It's pretty freaky. Um, Right.
1: And that's like this sort of, like, there's this huge build-up to that, because through Dennis and Miss Patricia, we learn that, like, they believe in the power of this Twenty fourth personality, this beast, and that the girls have been kidnapped, sort of essentially as like a sacrifice to him because of their purity,
0: Hmm.
1: quote unquote. Um, And so there's this a lot of you know suspenseful tension and build up with the girls trying to because you know they're they keep being told that he's coming, he's coming for you, and they're like trying to who who is coming, they try and get some information out of Hedwig, Hedwig has these pictures that he's drawn. When Karen finds out about the beast, she's, you know, she tries to convince Kevin and the identities that this personality is not possible because, according to the stories, he can do things that no human would be capable of doing. Yeah. And then when you finally meet the beast and you see him doing some of those things, climb up the wall. It's fairly, un, fairly unsettling,
0: like a uh, Spider-Man style, like Spider-Man style.
1: But yeah, there's like a lot of surprisingly there were a lot of layers yeah. going on here. Yeah, well, like and there's we we get these flashbacks to um, Casey's childhood of because she's kind of like this loner outsider and. Um, she was sort of invited. she's, we start at Claire's birthday party, right? And she's invited to the birthday party sort of as a pity invitation because she's in Claire's art class. And then we get these flashbacks to her childhood to find out why she's such a loner and this trauma that she's endured. And then, so there's this parallel between her and Kevin and there's a lot going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which... Um.
1: I don't know like i feel like his movies are that's the thing like it was everything was straightforward but then everything was also like really complex
0: yeah no um and that's like again that's it like that's like his thing where he takes these like if you think about it it's like okay multiple personalities sort of this kind of thing has been done before in psychological thrillers in slasher films even you can think of you know it's stuff like that is out there people like to play with the idea of multiple personality disorder it was in session nine um as part of it but here it's like he's merged that with sort of the supernatural but it's so interesting the way he does it because it's for the majority of the movie it's so straightforward it's like okay this guy's got Disassociative identity disorder, he's got therapy sessions, like it's fairly straightforward. And then when this 24th identity comes out and it's fucking scary, like he's like this complete, he is like this animalistic. Like he gets shot at one point and nothing happens, like Michael Myers style. Yeah. Um and you know, it's just completely super new supernatural and scary. So like I think the blending of kind of the clinical side with the more supernatural side without really giving explanation to it um, is really what made it like super made it like really freaky.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because <sighs> there's no super clear indication like how the beast was born uh, or, or why I should say rather. We kind of get a how, mm-hmm. but And then so it's kind of, it it is, it is unsettling and you're not entirely sure, like, what, how did, how, like, did this happen? Like, why all the superhuman, supernatural abilities? And there's no super clear answer.
0: Except that he lives beneath the Philadelphia Zoo.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But, um... Can you just say mad props to James McAvoy?
0: Yeah, no, um,
1: like, cause so much of this movie depends on him, obviously, and the, the struggle between the identities and the personalities, and that is really difficult to portray. Like, you have to have some mastery over your face muscles as an actor
0: Yeah, no it's a lot I can like in my mind the only thing I can really compare that to is um Orphan Black and all the work that Tatiana Maslany does playing several Mm -hmm. characters basically it's different because those are clones but it's several characters using the same body the same muscles right the same reflexes um and to be able to um do that like with this you know it's like insane for me like you know like obviously you think about actors it's like yes obviously their entire life they play different roles but to do it in a way where it's like so strung together in a film and it's all these people inhabiting the same Mm -hmm. body and use different parts of the body in different ways like i I, like it's probably really fun for an actor to be like oh like yeah like let's dive into this let's analyze it but it also sounds super fucking hard.
1: I read it would, because he had to tell this whole story and convey, like, a story of, like, what's beyond the physically apparent. Yeah. And, like, that scene kind of near the end when the identities are switching, sort of, like, rapid fire. Yeah. Um, That was really cool to watch. Just because he was just so convincing. Like, the way he could change his mannerisms was yeah was very impressive
0: yeah no and it's like yeah. that's the thing it's like okay James McAvoy and uh and my Shyamalan film but then I'm like no I totally like it had yeah. it had to be James <laughs> yes. McAvoy yes it really did um it really did yeah no that was just so impressive there comes at the end of the film so um Cassie after the, yeah so Cassie escapes resolution yeah. Um, because the beast sees that she has scars and says that she's pure because in his mind, pure people are people who have suffered. So he's like, okay, you're allowed to live. Um, and she gets out and cause one of the zoo employees is like, oh, what the fuck? Um, and, uh, basically Kevin's mol- various personalities decide they're going to, there's like sequel bait in there where they're like, oh, what are we going to do with the power of the beast? And they're going to basically, you know, have are going to show
1: people. Yeah,
0: they have their plans. Um, but, so she gets out. Everything, you know, happens. We later um, are watching like a newsreel of Kevin's antics. Um, and somebody in the bar is like, oh, that sounds like. Um, another serial killer out there that you know happened a while back, and who leans right. forward to remind us the name of this serial killer other than Bruce Willis? Bruce Willis, who tells us that oh, his name was Mr. Glass. Um,
1: mm-hmm. And yeah, of course he's wearing his you know his jumper yeah. that identifies him as done from Unbreakable, and I think everyone collectively just went. Huh. Huh. <laughs> so this of course um, signifying that unbreakable and split take place in the same universe. universe yeah.
0: Fifteen Which years later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't think anyone anticipated.
0: <laughs> of all the movies. I know <laughs> because <laughs> I was thinking to myself, even before going in, you know, just on a daily basis, I think to myself <laughs> <laughs> doesn't I remember that he made unbreakable? <laughs> Just, you,
1: you remind yourself of that on the daily.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, that, and, and I feel like the funny thing is, is that people have asked him frequently, like do your movies take place in the same world? And he's always been like very coy about that. And I have always been like, how could they like, you know, there's what the fuck. There's no. There's like no. Bruce Willis is in half you know, of them. He
0: can't be the same
1: one, right? He can't be the same person. There's no references to alien invasions and in movies after signs. Yeah. You know, the happening essentially kills like everybody. So, no. But yeah. <laughs> then I he comes about back. That with one. This, <laughs> yeah. Then he comes back with this curveball and lets us know that hey, at least two of his movies take place in the same world
0: <laughs> you know and in many many years from now don't worry after earth will be the,
1: <laughs> the oh my future,
0: god the future of all of this yeah you have to remember he's made some buds. um yes he has um, yes he has
1: yeah. yeah so so that was fun and um and curious and he has since in the last 2 weeks now that the that sort of revelation has reached the public talked about wanting to make a third unbreakable movie
0: cuz this is apparently the second this is
1: apparently the second one, this is apparently the second one. <laughs>
0: um
1: and i was kind of talking a little bit afterwards about the unbreakable connection after i saw it with mr awick mr Aylick. and, and he thought that like uh the beast would fit decently well in the world of Unbreakable as like a villain counterpart. Mm-hmm. Sort of cause like sort of in the same way, like he has these superhuman abilities, but because of like a human reason, you know, like mm. He's not, like, bitten by a radioactive spider or, you know, like, which has a green lantern ring. Like, you know what I mean? And that's sort of what Unbreakable was all about.
0: And they were kind of setting that up, too, I feel like, with the way that um, they paired the clinical side of this with the supernatural. Like, okay, there's some connection there. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but... um, you know, it's it's definitely something in the psyche. It's in the mind. Yeah. So yeah, I could definitely see that.
1: Yeah, I'm very curious as to what that this unbreakable three would look like. Very curious.
0: We won't know until the very end of the movie. Nope. <laughs> and nope. Then
1: we'll, and we'll, be then like, we'll oh. find out, and then we'll find out that it's connected to the last Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> could you
0: imagine? <laughs> Yes, that one definitely <laughs> takes place in the same universe.
1: Absolutely.
0: Wow. Oh,
1: my God. Oh, my goodness. Goodness, goodness.
0: Yeah. But like, Can we talk about... Sorry. No, go for it. Go
1: ahead. Can we talk about... I guess going back to him being a really good director, um, the camera work in here was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like, we were always moving, like, we were roaming, we were following, we were twisting around, and there was always, like, a little bit of, like, hesitation and uncertainty, and then, you know, we'd, just, like, bob into just moments of distress, and then, like, we'd pull back and be really still, and so, I don't know, it was, it was good,
0: like, good uh, lens work. Lens work, good, uh... as I say in the biz yeah no that's the thing and like you can really see it like if you compare um, the movies that he had a hand in but didn't direct like if you look at Devil like Mm. totally totally like leagues below the other stuff he did Um, yeah you know that he was just a producer and a writer on and it's like the directing like it wasn't like an interesting film to watch and it's because he didn't direct it and like um, right. You know, so. Demo is a
1: boring movie.
0: Oh, it was so, so boring. Wow. It was, it was just in a, We were in an elevator for like an hour and a half. Oh my God. And um, they, none of them were interesting. No, I didn't care about any one of them as they like slowly died. But, um, and like the village, like, you know, whatever you want to say about the writing of it, what have you, like visually, like the colors he used in it were like you know, really, like, it was just so well designed that way, um, and...
1: Yes! It was almost, like, that kind of, that almost had the feel of, like, art house, like, yeah. horror. Yeah. Yeah. In a way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, like, even though I, like, d- deplored The Last Airbender, because I love the source material, and he butchered it. Um. <laughs> I sneezed. But, um... You know the the designs on it and the the i mean it was good it was interesting though that is one of the movies where i say some of the camera works a little bit like what the hell were you thinking but a lot of the designs on it and designs of even the action sequences were very well done and you know he can do these things visually and create themes out of these narratives um even if he isn't the best writer in the world um but yeah, I mean, which is which is, you know, impressive. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, and I mean, that's the easy. thing is, is like you have to find your, you know, like yes, he wants to be kind of like a Hitchcockian, like writer, director, producer, total control, our tour type thing, um, but his strength definitely lies in directing. Um, mm-hmm. For sure, which
1: you could even argue was where Hitchcock's strength was. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Not that I'm not saying Shyamalan is on par with Hitchcock I'm not saying he's not either I'm just saying I think they both excel at directing above yeah. all other aspects of movie making
0: Yeah, and if you, you look at the concepts of the things he created It's like, okay, I'm here for the concept, I like the idea The execution in the actual narrative and the script is where it kind of falls short Um, Yeah.
1: And there are definitely, there were definitely moments in Split, like, where the screenplay was kind of weak and where the dialogue took mm -hmm. me out. I was like, okay, no. Yeah, no one talks like that. But, (sighs) but, you know, but, you know, I feel like, because he still like had fun with this movie. And you Mm -hmm. could tell that, like, I feel, feel like he's kind of like in on the the joke of him being like a laughable director <laughs> and now he's to the point where fuck with that and he's okay with it
0: yeah yeah i mean like that's the thing is like he's at that point in his career where he's like okay i can both reference myself ironically and still try and to still make do what i need to do a serious yeah. movie um, and that's the thing too, like that's almost what I feel like was happening with the thing to Unbreakable. It was like, it felt almost like a last minute thing, because it's like, okay, you might have had a larger plan for this, like maybe this character turns out to be a whole thing and Unbreakable what have you, but for the most part it felt like it was like very self-referential. It was like, yeah, you know, what's the one thing nobody would expect him to do? Because of all the films for him to reference, that is not the one that... No, I would have seen at the, you know coming out of that. So, um, you know, it's it's you know that ch- that choice at the end to make it something within the canon of Unbreakable was definitely, I think, him playing with the idea of himself and like the um image of himself as the type of director he is, yeah. You know. <laughs> But um, do you have a favorite Shyamalan film? Do you have a least favorite Shyamalan film?
1: Oh, God. (laughs) I really hated the happening.
0: Yeah, I didn't see it, but I heard it was total garbage.
1: It's very, very bad.
0: Um, It's plants, right?
1: Yeah, that's the twist. It ends up being the plants (laughs) that are responsible. I was like,
0: "What the birds?" But plants. did Al Gore produce this? <laughs> like, DiCaprio was um yeah um favorite. I
1: feel like you're supposed to say The Sixth Sense, but I'm actually going to go with Signs.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, I have a special place in my heart for Signs. I don't. I think I just I, I, I watched it for the first time with my family. It was a lot of fun. It that. Scare with um, the alien yeah. when they're watching a video from the birthday party is like one of the best jump scares, yeah. possibly the best jump scare in horror. And um, yeah, I don't know. Science definitely has its flaws, but I I like
0: it. So. Yeah. Um, How about you? mean obviously again like you want to say the sixth sense because it's like this most well crafted out of all of them but honestly the one that (laughs) ironically the one that i've ended up watching multiple times is um the village (laughs) Mm. um you know
1: (sighs) okay go ahead go ahead. Well, yeah
0: i mean it's just like you know like the premise of it like even knowing it the entire time when i'm doing it like doing it like when I'm watching it knowing like yeah they're in the 21st century and they're like blah 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 what have you um I still really enjoy it like I like the dynamic of the town the like love triangle going on the like you know pissy way the neighbors are with each other like it's very much got a pioneer old-timey caddy town mentality in the midst of like oh by the way there's something like <laughs> awful going on in the woods and it's really creepy and it plays with my favorite theme in horror is fear of the woods Mm -hmm. as i've referenced many times um and it's pretty to look at like it's visually like a very beautiful film um you know obviously there's things in it writing-wise where i'm like all right um but i enjoy it i mean i i actually don't really have too much to say dislike about it i like bryce dallas howard she's cool she was in jurassic park recently um running in heels um my least favorite i'm not going to count devil even though i want to say devil because he didn't direct it Um, yeah so of the films that he did direct i say my my least favorite is a lady in the water
1: oh yeah that is not a good movie (laughs) yeah that is not a good movie yeah Paul Giamatti is in that.
0: Yes. That's one of the reasons I can't take it. So much (laughs) Paul Giamatti. Uh, So, okay. So, The
1: Village. I loved that movie until the twist. Yeah. That, for me, I feel like was the moment where I was like, you are about to ruin your career. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like with the village, that's when people were like, "Okay, now he's just using the twist," because like that's his thing. Yeah, that's his gimmick. And like, the story didn't actually need that. That doesn't actually add anything at all. Yeah, you could not have the revelation that they live in the twenty first century, and that movie would work.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I was like, this is unnecessary, and I'm mad about it.
0: But until that point, I think it's a really good movie, yeah, because even without it, like I like the idea that the elders were making up this mm-hmm. this thing like that could have totally worked without it being in the 21st century like they literally could have just been and that was probably would have been more powerful for what was going on. It's like these people in yep. this Puritan time or whenever it's supposed to be set um trying to maintain control over their village, their town, over, it through fear, as opposed to this group of people who were like, I'm so disenchanted with the 21st century, fuck this, and, like, goes to live in the woods in, like, Delaware County, Pennsylvania. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like, I told, yeah, and that's the thing, it's like, I do think the weakest part about that was, like, the twist at the end. Um, That being said, like, if it had been handled differently, like, I do think it could have been interesting. That also being said, there is that camp that um, there was kind of this allegation that he plagiarized it from Margaret Peterson Haddock's novel yeah. um, Running Out of Time, where this girl finds out the town that she was living in, the village she was living in, is actually, the year is actually 1996, not whatever year she thinks it is, and that they're like part of a tourist attraction or something. Um, So, and I don't, you know, I don't like to say anyone copied anyone like obviously um every for the most part every story thought has already been thought and we're all just kind of borrowing from Gilgamesh anyway at the end of the day but um (laughs) (laughs) praise Gilgamesh but um you know I also don't think that M. Night Shyamalan was completely unaware of Margaret Peterson Haddock's work um as a whole because she was a huge um speculative fiction dystopian writer in the 90s so well and i feel like
1: and that's like when he was making the village he was in that place where i feel like he was freaking like he didn't really know who he was Mm -hmm. like as a director like what he wanted to do with his career he had the sixth sense he had signs he was like totally huge and then like I feel like I could see him having kind of sort of been like, ah, yeah. the village, but is also kind of this other yeah. thing that already exists, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. But, and uh, like, it would have been such a, such an interesting and powerful thing. If it's like the big twist was like, Oh, they're just fucking with the villagers to try and keep them. Cause it totally goes with, it, with everything else that was going on. Like the way that they handled the village and the way people in the village handled each other and Joaquin Phoenix and like all these things that were going on um, socially um, within the story as well. So that is like the big pitfall of the village, but I do, I do enjoy watching it. I do like that movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I think overall we would say
0: thumbs up to split. Yeah. 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 Even with the interesting, unbreakable
1: tie-in. Yeah. Yeah, with its interesting, unbreakable tie-in. You know, like... Yeah, the writing kind of tilts a bit to the awkward side of things. Like, I felt like there were a lot of moments where I wasn't sure if I was supposed to laugh or... Take seriously. Yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, good cinematography.
0: Um, the lighting.
1: Good lighting. You had lighting? lighting. Last time. Apparently, apparently, he worked on the cinematography with the guy who shot It Follows. Interesting. Um, which is like amazing. You know, cinematography. My ultimate bay of yeah. twenty ten horror movies. 2010s horror movies, and I'm like, wow, that that
0: is a definitely
1: (laughs) 2010s, whatever we're calling this decade. I'm like, oh, that's a fun pair. That's a match I never knew I needed. Um, Yeah,
0: no, that is interesting now that I think about it. Yeah, I just kind
1: of see it. You know, lots of close-ups, lots of long takes, um, interesting POV, like, they're in both of them. Um, And good acting. I mean, like, James McAvoy was wearing women's clothing and was completely bald and he was somehow still intimidating. Yeah. Like, how do you do that?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, like, a lot of, like, power shots. Yeah. For lack of a better term. Yeah, so, no, it was, like, it's definitely something that was crafted with care as opposed to something like yeah. the village or lady in the water or something where it was just basically throwing things at the wall being like, How do I keep this reputation going? Um mm-hmm. and I think, yeah, that's the thing, is like he learned that yeah, like he was young, he was freaked out. Um he felt like he had to continually raise his own bar and he took some time off and, you know, came back with the visit with a split now and, you know, it's not it's not going bad.
1: No, it's it really hasn't. Yeah. Um Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what the next step is. Um Unbreakable 3 or otherwise.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know he's you know? doing um Tales from the Crypt for TNT.
1: <gasps> Delightful.
0: Yeah. Um oh, and he's also been I don't he's been producing um
1: Wayward Pines. Ooh, that sounds that, that right. <laughs> maybe that maybe got canceled, so maybe he's not doing that anymore. Maybe he's but gonna. but he was, and and I think the people who watched that said it was really good. Yeah. So.
0: Um, and it's interesting because if you look at Shyamalan, he's kind of like, in terms of just overall the things he does, I don't think anyone really makes movies the way he does. If you kind of look at it, because it's not quite horror, it's not quite supernatural, it's not quite urban fantasy. Um, you know it's kind of like, and yet it's all of them, and yet it's all, um, <laughs> you know it's kind of Neil Gaimanish, Stephen Kingish, um, and he just does interesting things. I mean, I'll give him that much. Like in terms of like at least the premises, you know, let alone where they go once they're down on paper in screenplay format. But the premises are interesting, you know, like hearing like yeah. the slug line for for um the slug line you know what I mean the um sort of tagline for log line log line I'm like I had an IPA at dinner it's fine um it's all good it's like wait a minute the slug line is there's many slug lines um yeah the log line the tagline what have you for um you know these movies it's like okay like that's I'm you have my attention you know it's interesting Sometimes it doesn't work, Lady in the Water. Um, The happening. The happening. Um, (laughs) And sometimes it's interesting. I mean, Unbreakable kind of got mixed reviews, but it's definitely got a cult following at this point, I feel like. Um, Yeah. And a lot of people ask him about it too (laughs) when they see him. They'll be like, so Unbreakable, like, is there going to be more and stuff? And um, so. Evidently. And (laughs) evidently, there was some kind of more. Uh, Um, and more still to come maybe (gasps) it finds out Tales from the Crypt is actually like (laughs) at the end of it they're just gonna
1: Tales from the Crypt is actually like tied into Lady in the Water
0: Bruce Willis is just (laughs) it's actually The Sixth Sense, it's a follow up to The Sixth Sense it's a follow up to The Sixth Sense um but yeah. Shyamalan. Shyamalan split. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think we covered it. Yeah. All 24 of it. <laughs> Not actually, yeah. but. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Um, Shyamalan's, I think, on. Uh... Don't call it a comeback, but, like, call it a comeback. Because he needed. But, like. He, he needed to come back. Kind of a continues to set things yes. in in Pennsylvania. Those chicks kidnapped um, KOP Mall. Uh-huh. Um, how did I not know they were filming there? I should have like crashed the set. What are you guys doing? All right. Hey, what's up? Can we go to the Build a Bear. <laughs> um. But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You know what's coming good. coming up soon? That gives us a good wait. Before I say that, are there any football-themed horror films? Oh my god!
1: Well, you'd have to you'd have to do like one of those like like Return to Horror High. You know, do like a one of the high school cheerleading football horror. Prom night. You know terrible slasher things or something from the 80s
0: so this is clearly a call that somebody needs to make some football yeah. horror so we can have something to talk about oh super bowl.
1: jeepers Creepers too i think they are oh no they're
0: the basketball team that's coming back never mind uh, so yeah barring the super bowl um the season finale of sports <laughs> Um, the Oscars are coming up. Um, the Oscars are approaching. And we definitely will be doing some Oscar-nominated horror film discussions. Oh, for sure. Um, because it doesn't happen sure. often, but sometimes you get some some horror getting repped, uh, especially in the Best Picture category, so. Yeah. We'll be discussing those. Hopefully we have something before that. Valentine's Day! That's an important day. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Maybe dive into My Bloody Valentine. And the sequel? My Bloody Valentine three D. Not the sequel, but like the remake. The remake. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, we could do an original versus remake
0: showdown. Yeah. Ooh, for Valentine's Day. Because yes. what says romance more than competition? Competition. Exactly. Exactly.
1: All right. Okay. So be looking for that. Yeah. Listeners. That'll probably be probably the next episode.
0: Yeah, Valentine's Day is in two
1: weeks. It's creeping out. It's creeping out. I keep forgetting because it's Eric and I don't give a shit.
0: Yeah, no. The only reason I know now is because I'm going to go to that Spice Girls uh, tribute concert two days later. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm really excited about. Spice up your life. I'm going to. It's going to be great. Um, Yeah, so. You can find us on the emails at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at splatterchatter666 without the vowels, or if that's too difficult, just search it in the search bar and it will find you. Um, You can find Mr. Carter's blog at splatterchatter666.blogspot.com. We have a Tumblr, which will one day be active again, I promise. splatterchatter.tumblr.com. Yeah, and on iTunes, SoundCloud. The works, kids. The works, yeah. Oh, yes, and there is a a,
1: a recent review on the blog. I'll just plug it really quick right now. I saw a great movie the other day, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Really creepy, really solid, really well made. I highly recommend it. I'm not going to say more than that here on the episode because the review is on the blog.
0: Yeah. Um, so you have to go check it
1: comment. out <laughs> yes you have to go go see it Clickbait. also I saw another pretty good movie as well that I'll quickly do a shout out for Shelley <laughs> is the name of the movie mm-hmm. it is a uh, kind of like a um, <laughs> Scandinavian version of Rosemary's Baby and it was very good Mm-hmm. no that's, that's about right <laughs>
0: exactly correct
1: um and shelly i think is on netflix the autopsy of jane doe is a recent release so you can find it on demand or amazon video those kinds of things so those sweet. are my recent horror recommendations
0: sweet i did not see by man nobody did <laughs> I don't think anybody did. Um, which, you know, wouldn't have mattered if they hadn't put in their trailer the, like, oh, Friday the 13th has always belonged to Jason, but this year. And I was like, all right, calm down. It, it calm down,
1: because you know what? It still belongs to Jason. Yeah. It will always belong to him. Go fuck yourself.
0: Also, like, nobody knew about this movie until, like, three days before it came out. Right. And even then, which, it came out and nobody knew about it. Um, which is you? So yeah, some nice more recommendations. Uh, if you have a shout out for a Shyamalan film that you like, disliked, disagree, maybe you're yeah, a huge Shyamalan fanboy and you want to like yell at us for calling him in need of a comeback. I don't know. You're yeah.
1: out there. He's very divisive. So yeah, we welcome we welcome the controversial opinions.
0: The discourse, T M.
1: Yeah, discourse, T M.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, look for those were are both reviews on there, or were you just plugging the one movie?
1: I have a I have a review for the autopsy of Jane Doe. I don't have a review for Shelley, okay. but I will probably do one in the next week or so. Okay.
0: So look for the autopsy of Jane Doe already up. Shelley coming soon. Um, and those episodes coming soon in the future. Also soon. yeah, yeah. just everything soon. Right <sighs> we'll be right
1: back. Everything We'll be right back. Yeah, so stay warm, and um, we'll s- chat with you guys soon. But for now, we'll say au revoir, adios, and
0: dasvidaniya.